Okay, here we go, comedy lovers. It's a crazy world out there. These lockdowns are still happening. The pandemic isn't going anywhere. Vaccines are on the rise, but do you trust them? Do you trust anybody? I mean, people are still divided in this country. We need to stay in our bubbles, as they say. Well, none of that here tonight. No, 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 no. Tonight, we're all about bringing people together, about bringing comedians together remember comics the ones that made us laugh well tonight we're discussing not not covid no no not covid tonight we're discussing comedy what a concept it's three comics in a virtual discussion panel on terrestrial talk radio it's our comedy roundup right here on inside jokes hit the music did i sound too douchey there all right Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640. Hey guys, producer Vince Tedesco here with you this week. Dean is away. Uh, and we're doing our uh, old school rendition of the Comedy Roundtable, our weekly comedy discussion panel. Uh, we have three comics on the show from all over this continent. Los Angeles, Montreal, and right here in Toronto. We're going to bring up discussions regarding the world of comedy. Yeah, what a concept. A comedy show talking comedy. Too much in the news right now regarding keywords like COVID and pandemic. We're not going to discuss that tonight. We're going to discuss about comedy, what's happening in the world of comedy, and how it affects us. So without further ado, let's get our three panelists on the show tonight in Montreal, Los Angeles, and right here in Toronto. All right, kids, here we go. We have everybody on the line. Please welcome to the show this week out in Los Angeles, California, Mr. Mark DeBonis. How are we doing, Mark? Good, how are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Uh, out in Montreal, if you were to get a flight from L.A., what about six hours or so, and land in La Belle Provence, you'd find our good friend Gianni Fiasca. Gianni, how are we? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Perfect. And then if you kind of get a rental car and take a four and a half, five hour drive down the 401, you'll land in Toronto and catch Second City star, Miss Trisha Black. How are you, Trisha? I'm good. How are you? We're doing okay. Is everybody yes. ready for the panel this week? Let's yes. go. Let's get into it all. All right. So back in the day when we had a studio, we'd have all these comics come in and we'd discuss everything on kind of free range. But this is. Radio nowadays, we're all on cell phones and we all kind of got to give each other our due of talking. So without further ado, our first discussion on the panel is something that kind of grabbed my eye, as they say. Chris Rock, who's had a hell of a year, a bit of ups and downs. He had a Netflix special that went very well. He had a divorce that went public. But recently, Chris Rock went on Howard Stern and said he was diagnosed with a condition called NVLD, a nonverbal learning disorder. Now, we're not going to take anything away from that or, or put that in the spotlight, but the question I want to propose to the panel is, is this the new sort of cliche these days? Do comedians need to have some sort of disorder or mental block, whether it be from an emotional standpoint or a mental standpoint? Is this sort of kind of um, handicap required to excel in comedy? Because nobody would have known this of Chris Rock if he didn't come public with it. 
Apparently, the disorder is that he does not pick up nonverbal communications in social settings. He always thought it to be that, oh, I'm famous, so that person doesn't like me. That's why they acted that way. Or it's because I'm famous that that person acted that certain way, so I'm not going to take it personally. Mr. Mark DeBonis in L.A., let you weigh in first on this discussion. Oh, so I have all the pressure of embarrassing myself here first. Um, Yeah, because you think that's that's kind of a prerequisite now. If you have an illness, that gives you an edge in comedy. I'll tell you the truth. I think that uh, it was only in the past couple of years that the quote-unquote cool person became the comedian. You know, I think like comedy throughout history was always the loser, you know, always the person who was the outcast of society or what, you know, someone who never really felt like they fit in. And um, it kind of left when you, you look at like, obviously like Eddie Murphy, in like the eighties or nineties, but it wasn't as popular until like Dane Cook or Chris D'Elia and all these other quote unquote cool comics took in. So I think there is um, something to say that if you have some sort of problem, I I don't know, like maybe it does make people feel a little bit more uh, like they want to follow you or listen to you. You know, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a. (laughs) (laughs) You can sound like a. I mean, we'll just bleep. But I mean, in all fairness, we are comics talking about other comedians. Johnny, what's your take yeah. on it? I mean, I think it's um, I, I think it's like the realm of comedy now, right? So like everyone kind of has something uh, or an issue or uh, is very vocal about, you know, uh, let's say mental disorders, uh, which is important. But I mean, and I guess maybe yeah. I, I think maybe it's um, it's making people more comfortable with comedy. Uh, which, by all means, comedy should not be, you know, comfortable. Uh, not, not at all times, anyway. But, um, but I think that having an edge, is it really having an edge, having a mental disorder? Like, not really. You know what I mean? It's, it's something to talk about. Trisha, what's your take on it from a kind of a, a sketch world? Yeah, I mean, I think also, like, you know, Chris Rock talking about having some sort of mental uh you know, disability is, is is good for him to talk about. I think you think about somebody like Hannah Gadsby, who is, you know, autistic on the, has autism spectrum disorder, you know, and those people are finding ways through their comedy to be able to talk about those kind of things with, with making it, um, you know, normalizing it and not making it um, uh, something that is weird or strange. It's like a lot of people have mental issues and comedians, especially, you know, we talk a lot from vulnerable truths and, you know, and those hard hitting things. And like you said, uh, you know, it's not meant to be, you're not meant to feel like super comfy all the time. Comedy is meant to push boundaries, but I think also being able to talk about those issues or mental health issues is, is important. And I think it's great that those things are coming out in the comedy world too, you know, as opposed to hiding and saying, Oh, well, I'm just funny. And like, this is a funny tick I have when actually it's, you know, a mental health issue. Well, much like anything, I mean, we're becoming comfortable with discussing a lot of topics in Mm -hmm. uh, a, a comedy world. I mean, it's just as natural as discussing someone's upbringing or way of life growing up, uh, not having certain things when they were younger or not understanding certain things that they were younger. So if that was okay to talk about, about your, your uh, 
poverty upbringing, so to speak, or lack of what other kids had, so to speak, coming up. Why is it uncomfortable to talk about a certain behavior or, or disorder that you may be struggling with now? Mark, I want to ask you a question. Who is your favorite comic, let's say, right now? Who do you enjoy? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. It's like I always get, get weird about this question because I, to be honest with you, don't even really watch a lot of stand-up. Um, oh, I so really do. You do. Who did you idolize? I, I didn't even grow up liking stand-up. Okay, the voters, help me out with the question here. Just take some money. <laughs> I honestly, I'll, I, I, the first, like, I really like Dave Chappelle. Okay, Dave Chappelle, perfect. Perfect answer. If Dave Chappelle all of a sudden came out and said he was autistic, would all of us go, hey, yeah, that makes sense? Or do we just know Dave Chappelle as being Dave Chappelle, and whatever he has is just uh, something that he has and not be judged, his, or we shouldn't judge his comedy upon it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Because Chris Rock has this disorder, no one's going, oh, you know what, that makes sense now. I totally get Chris Rock's humor. Panel, what are you discussing? Yeah. Mark, we'll start with you. Okay, um, I think, because you're kind of chopping up a bit here, I think what you're saying is, like, should we, like, I, if I found out that someone like Chappelle or even Chris Rock had a disability, I don't know why I would all of a sudden like them if I didn't like them before I found out, because to me, that's just like pitying them. You know, uh, I think like you should, I would not change my opinion if I'd be like, oh, okay, like, I guess like that makes sense. You know, like, I don't, I don't think that I would, or I don't think it's even fair to like someone just because they're open about something, you know, because then, you could just kind of, you don't, do you really like them or you just like them because they have a problem now, you know? Interesting. Okay. Johnny, what about you? I actually agree with Mark. That makes total sense. And I was kind of on the same uh, wavelength of, of that answer. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. If you told me tomorrow, Chappelle, like you said, had a disorder, I'd be like, okay, like it's good for him for like, you know, coming out with um, the news about it, I guess, and being open with it. But I don't think, you know, it would change the way he approaches comedy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm on the same boat as everyone here. I think it, I don't think it would change my opinion uh, of them and their comedy. I think I would just be like, oh, that's awesome that they're open to talk about this yeah. issue that they have to make that available for other people to feel comfortable to talk about it as well. So we can like all agree really that the superpower... We can all agree pretty much that the superpower is not the illness or will it, it would never be considered as that. It's just another weapon in the arsenal. The superpower is the talent of stand-up comedy. Are we in agreement mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I, I feel like the, having like a, a disability, be able to talk about it is just allowing other people to be able to talk about it as well and use it in your comedy as like, you know, your truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I don't know where Chris Rock will ever go with this. I mean, it was revealed on a how, an episode of Howard Stern, how this relates to his act or comedy moving forward. If this becomes sort of a prominent bit, I don't know how much of the surface he wants to scratch at that, but there's more to scratch with this panel. So let's have more topics as we scratch back and peel back the episode uh, at hand, our comedy roundtable. We have more with Mark, Trisha, and Johnny right here on Inside Jokes. 
Hi, this is Richard Lett. You're listening. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, this is Alex Wood, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes. I am Vince on hosting duties this week. It's our comedy roundup. We have Mark DeBonis, Gianni Fiasque, and Trish Black, all from different parts in this world. Uh, Mark is in sunny California. Johnny is in, is it cold, I'm assuming, cold in Montreal? It's freaking freezing. <laughs> and Trisha is right here in good old Toronto. Uh, we're bringing up some various topics in the world of comedy. Uh, I promise that I would not bring up COVID or the word pandemic in the show. And we're not. We're not going to discuss that. What I want to discuss, though, is the resurgence of late night TV due to COVID and this pandemic. They're saying that um, comedians or the, the, the comedic hosts, essentially, the hosts of late night TV, have sort of established a, um, a comfort zone now with the audience, showing their late night audiences that they're just like them. They can be at home, still doing a show, working from home, as they say. Jimmy Fallon's got his kids hanging off him, you know, coloring and stuff like that. Everybody was kind of doing a version of the show from home. Now that they're moving back into studios, as I believe most of them are, all the late night shows kind of have moved back into studios. Some guests are still doing virtual, but some guests are actually coming to the set and socially distancing, but conducting a late night interview, kind of like the old school, normal way, the way it was supposed to be done. Has this now created like this new live interaction with, with guests and, and shows kind of fitting the, the new normal, is it considered now a special, a special moment in, 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 a, in a comedian's life to have a, a live interaction with people again? Is this something like on the forefront that stand-up clubs and uh, comedy shows and sketch shows like Second City are on the rise to finally come back and stay back? Trish, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that would be the hope, but obviously with everything going on, it's always so uh, up in the air. I guess you know I watch a lot of late night. I've been watching a lot of Seth Meyers and Trevor Noah and Amber Ruffin, and they are all really really good. But there, it is interesting the difference between when they have a live guest and when it is on like a Zoom call or something. You know, it definitely yeah, feels- that something's missing, right? Well, yeah, it's that it's that connectivity, right? It's that it's your, you know, you can sit at home. I've done Zoom shows, like improv and sketch shows at home in my bedroom, and it's fine and it's fun. Uh, but you still don't get that same feeling of like we were doing uh, Second City shows up until this latest, uh, basically the last lock, this latest lockdown. Um, you know, fifty people, and it was different. It felt amazing to be in front of that live audience so it is that connect that actual connectivity and being able to like have that have an audience in front of you or have a guest in front of you to actually talk to as opposed to this like disconnect of online which we are all figuring out and and can be just as good um but it does lose that 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 something extra of being able to actually like see somebody's face and talk to them and hear their words and, you know, be in the presence yeah. of them. It's, it's an energy that's, that, that totally fills the room. Uh, Mark in LA, I mean, you're in a little more stringent situation than us here in Canada in regards to things being shut down and locked down, especially comedy clubs, which 
I don't think a comedy club has opened in LA in a while, but from a stand-up perspective, I mean, how key is energy with live interactions and a live audience? How, how key is that for a stand-up comic? I think it's, it's the only key really. It's the, uh, it's the key to life because it's like stand-up is so much about being in the moment and it's like, you know, it's hard to perform when the audience there's a dance floor between you and the audience, you know, if you're like 10 feet away, like, cause the audience is such a crucial part to, uh, to the show, you know, like working off the energy of the room. And also as the audience member, it's part of the experience, you know, like some people are scared to laugh by themselves. So they laugh when other people laugh. Like, it's like, there's so many aspects that come to, you know, why we go to restaurants and we don't just cook all the time at home. Like we like the environment. And I think, as a performer, there is something about standing in front of a group of people who are listening to you and laughing. And as an audience member, it's being a part of something that you're like, you know, it's just the energy of the room. And, and uh, obviously with the whole lockdown, it, it makes it hard for people to want to sit shoulder to shoulder, you know, especially laughing. Um, and I was actually talking about it with my friend where I think there's going to be like some sort of like underground like thing where it's kind of like an old jazz club where you're like, you're like, Hey, enter at your own risk. You know, we come into this warehouse. Much, yeah. there's, there's like a performer, there's a comedian, there's like a sketch troupe, there's a, like a, a singer. <laughs> and it's like, you could possibly get sick, but you might have a good time. Cause who knows, you know, I think that's where it's going to happen. If the lockdown stays for another were year. Gracious, or so. Were you gracious enough to join or, or be a part of any zoom comedy shows during your lockdown? Me? Yeah, Mark, you, I'm, I'm from, from like, you know, like, were you a part of any of that? I, you know, I, I don't want to knock the whole Zoom thing. I get that it's... But you uh, will, you will. Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't done it. I don't, look, here's what I think it's really good about it. You can perform around the world now and make a lot of contacts in new cities that you never were able to unless you were there. And I think that is the most valuable thing about the zoom comedy show, you know, you but can perform in Australia if you want. Yes. But, but mm -hmm. how validated is it when you don't have that energy in the room that you just stated that you so adamantly need getting in the door is just the booker liking you. That's all that matters. You know? So if you do a show in Australia and the, and you you're doing a show for one of the biggest showrunners in Australia and that person likes you, you can now get in there and perform like, you know, even if you think about late night television, for the most part, you're performing to the home viewer. You know, my problem with the Zoom show in general, and I was just talking about this the other day, is that um, it's not properly filmed. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. It's like if, if people took the time to have like a full body shot with audio and lighting. Yeah, I don't see why it would be bad to do Zoom shows all the time. Interesting. Okay. All right. And Johnny in Montreal, I mean, comedy clubs are still open much different than in Ontario. You guys were still doing live shows, restaurants. No, exactly. still, everything's closed. Everything's, everything's closed. closed now. Everything's closed now. But how much a part of that did that, uh, uh, how much of a buzz did that create when people can go back out to catch these live shows? Were, were, yeah. were they packed? Was, or was it, was it, were people still kind of adamant about doing that? Yeah. I know. Let's say like the comedy mess, uh, which is our the biggest Anglo comedy club here in Montreal. Uh, when they had their headliners, uh, which were mostly Canadian acts, um, they would have sellout shows. They would do their usual weekend shows, 
um, 50 people um, and, you know, with the, the social distancing. And they would sell out on the weekend. And then, you know, how the Nest works is during the week they have uh, their, like, uh, lab comedy shows and, like, uh, you know, the mix-up shows and stuff. So, I mean, like, people went out to see shows. Uh, I, I was, you know, um, able to put on one last show at the CLDV as well. Uh, it was a bit weird. You're a producer of shows. You produce, yeah. actually produce your own stand-up shows. So yeah. how much did that kind of, I mean, it takes away a bit when you, when you can't constantly do that once a month because you were doing monthlies. But then when you finally got the clearance that, hey, we're back on and going, and now, I mean, it, it's gone again. So it's like, how much of a drive can you have to keep that going for your audience? Listen, that, that that show we put on in, at the end of September, right before they announced the, the second lockdown, uh, the first few weeks of ticket sales were really good. And then as the weeks went on, it started to, because we were putting on two shows in one night. So, um, and, and, and as, as, as the weeks went on, people started to buy less and less tickets. Um, so, I mean, we had, let's say, like a, a sold-out show at like 9.30, and then like the 7 o'clock would kind of be like empty-ish. Uh, but I mean, it, the audience needed to laugh and those who came did laugh and, and that was, you know, good. But I mean, I, it's a hell of a lot of work to secure people, to tell them, look, you're going to come here. Everything is socially distanced. Uh, you, you know, no one's breathing down your neck. Uh, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just opening the doors and creating an environment where everybody can be happy. You got to yeah. make now make everybody feel safe to come out to these shows. Trish, yeah. when you guys were doing live second city shows, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that was such a huge theater that you guys need to fill. And it was probably about what, half even? When you're, not when you're even, at- yeah. <laughs> wow. And yeah. now that, again, another lockdown. So that's now on the back burner because no one's thinking about going to catch a, a live improv show, a show or, or a sketch show. But I mean, uh, that, that's got to, it's like, um, it's a constant, you know, like wheel. You're trying to push up a hill to get uh, some normalcy back in, in, in this world of comedy. Well, yeah, like it's not like nothing is going to be normal for a while. So it's kind of interesting to watch, especially like in the comedy world. I find comedians, especially lately, are the ones that are really like trying their best to find ways to be creative in this new online virtual whatever world, you know. And, you know, it is like Mark said, you know, Zoom can look bad sometimes but if you if you are smart and you can and you you know you invest a bit it's like kind of investing in a different way now of your home and being like i should i buy i should buy lights i should buy a mic i should do these things that will make me look better on screen uh and make you know and finding new ways like you know you can do a zoom show but you can do it through like obs which is an uh, a broadcasting uh service so you can like create cool title cards and do all of these things to make your shows uh, look great. And of course we all don't have a million dollars in the bank, but it is interesting in that normalcy of trying to find normalcy that I find comedians especially are, are finding new ways online to continue to create and provide entertainment for, uh, for people. And I also found it interesting that comedians were the first people also back when we were able to be back uh, in the world, like they were, we were the first people like second city was the only theater company in, I mean, I think in Ontario that was performing live shows for a while. Uh, and I was like, it's so funny that, you know, comedians are the first ones that are like, yeah, we're back. <laughs> yeah. Just waiting. 
just waiting exactly. in the wings. So if one thing, if one thing, if anything, I mean, it's it's allowing the arts and entertainment world, more importantly, comedians, to sort of express. And I, I always hashtag this because I'm trying to make it a thing like fetch, but express your creative juices. Yes. I think we all have creative juices, ways to kind of foresee the issue and work around it to still get what you want to get out there. Mark, have you found yeah. any kind of new and innovative ways to kind of get your stand-up or, or, or comedic juices out there? Yeah. Uh, like, Doom? I don't like, I got to tell you the truth. I would have rather, like, Y2K happened than this. You know, I would have rather been able to, like, go out in the streets and hang out with people than find ways to, like, put a new podcast out where there's millions of podcasts or, like, you know, and that to me is, like, I'm thinking now, what can I do like a pod? I'm like, I need to do a podcast now because if I come out of this without a podcast, podcast, I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like I'm sitting here at home, not talking to anybody. Why don't I just do a podcast? You know, like at least before I could feel like a bum if I didn't go out and do stand up. But now I'm like, I got to do something from my house. I'm like, how lazy can I be to not do something from my own house? You know? And (laughs) And it's like, that to me is the thing where I'm not saying that I'm putting out a bunch of stand-up stuff right now, but I am trying to find different ways to stay somewhat quote unquote relevant, you know, and, and, uh, on some sort of social media radar, if it's like a little video or trying to start a podcast or, you know, like the thing that's always, in my opinion, been good about comics is, yeah, like we always do adapt to what's the surrounding, you know? Perfect. Okay, well, uh, we'll touch on that more uh, when we get back with Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hi, my name is Andrew Johnston. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Is it on 640? Welcome back to Inside Jokes. It's our comedy roundtable this week brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. When you want to look a global pandemic dead in the face, go to Hakeem. Um, next on the panel, we were, when we left off our last segment with, uh, with our panel, well, Mark DeBonis mentioned podcasts. We have a podcast expert on the show, uh, Johnny out of Montreal, Snob Media, Snob Podcast. How are you kind of coping with all this? Uh, and do you have to kind of struggle to find content for your podcast each and every week? Yeah, I wouldn't go with uh, podcast experts, but thank you. Uh, I really feel like I, I host the show with two of my friends, and I feel like I'm the diva. So, uh, so I mean, um, but I mean, it's been in, Snobcast has been interesting. We had a bit. Well, last time we spoke, Vince, um, we had a bit of like a. Uh, it was hard for us to get together. Like we could, we couldn't get together, so it was really hard finding ways to like do the podcast virtually. Uh, and it just, it, it was, it really sucked and there was no chemistry. And, uh, and so, I mean, now what's happening is the, uh, the, um, it's changed a lot. We, we were able to kind of record together again and we've been focusing a lot more on the podcast and, and getting, uh, guests and like supporting local talent as well, uh, from Montreal or from Canada, um, and that's really helped us. Uh, it's helped me also, like as, as an interviewer, because I'm also a journalist on the side. Uh, really explore 
the way they can ask questions, you know, and, um, and, and, and it's been fun for that. Like I, I would, I didn't write any new material during the lockdown. And like, I, I just really wanted the podcast to continue and be successful. And, and that's what we're trying to do. So every week we're either, it's just us three guys hanging out or we have a guest, uh, you know, we like to also get now like female, like guests on the show. Cause it's always just three, like, dudes talking about whatever dudes talk about uh and we we want to be different you know well that's that's always the kind of a focal point trisha you've actually launched a new podcast yourself well one more round how's that coming along yeah i mean it's good i kind of launched that just like you know like like that was the beginning of the first lockdown and like mark said it was like i was sitting in my house and i was like what can i do (laughs) like what's something like how do you feel at this time like, how do I fill up my time that's easy that I can kind of, like, you know, connect with other people? So it's it's an interview podcast, like, interview conversation podcast where I just chat with somebody for an hour over a drink. But it's, like, I kind of was, like, itching and feeling that, like, creativeness and also wanting to, like, connect with people. So it's going well. Like, it's, it's mostly, like, a podcast for myself, like I said, just to, like, do something and, and have something to be <laughs> to do. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, podcasting is interesting because it is such a simple way to create easily from your home. Like, you need a mic mm-hmm. and a garage band, you know? Like, And, I mean, obviously, like, you can have better quality and stuff. But if you're like, I just have these things, you know, why not? <laughs> you know, why not just yeah. be creative and do it? Here's, like, Here's a question I want to pose to the panel. From a comedic mindset as I think all four of us do have in some way or another, some we excel at more than others, but from a comedic mindset, do we all think or find that podcasts are very therapeutic for us? We'll start with, uh, we'll start with, uh, 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 Jenny. So when you say therapeutic, you mean like for us, like speaking our mind or listening to podcasts? Yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of getting something out of this that helps us kind of, relay the message of what we're thinking or what we're going through a little bit easier because we have that person to sort of bounce the idea back off of. Yeah. Is that what yeah, you I find know. out of it? Yeah, I, I love, uh, it's weird. I get into this different, uh, I get into this different mindset. As soon as I sit in front of the mic, I just like get in, like I, I, I focus and like, I'm like, all right, let's do this. You know, and like my producer will like start the, the, the recorder and like just, and, I, and I'll just go when I'm ready and like, then we'll just feed off each other. And it, it's all about the energy. So like, exactly. and, and there's some, there's some episodes that we do where I will, we'll do the episode for an hour and then it will, it'll be over. I'll be like, okay, well that wasn't our best, but let's, let's, you know, let's do it. You know, Mark, uh, do you find, Mark, do you find the same sort of energy in, in doing a podcast or wanting to do a podcast that you would kind of, it, it would fill that void left by stand up? Yeah, you know, I have a theory that, like, not everyone should be a comedian and not everyone should have a podcast, you know? Okay. And it's like, if I were to do a podcast, I'm like, what can I talk about that I think, even if there was no listeners, I could actually talk about, you know? And if and that, to me, is, like, the therapeutic part where I'm like, if I had, like, extended knowledge on, like, chairs, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast about chairs. I can talk a lot about chairs, you know? Like, And it's like, that is, uh, it is you know, having people know that you, they want to listen to you is obviously therapeutic as a comic, because, you know, my whole job is worked off reaction, you know? So when I'm not getting a reaction, I'm like, Oh, I need to get something. Cause if not, I feel like I'm just talking into the wall, you know? 
Uh, yeah, fair enough. You are not. Are you an expert on chairs? I just want to clarify for the panel. <laughs> I'm, I'm good at sitting down, but I don't know much about the construction of them. <laughs> and Trish, this, have you found that sort of board that you've been missing from live theater and sketch theater in, in the new podcast world? I mean, like, in a way, yes. I think it's very different world than, again, like, being in front of a live audience and, like, feeling, you know, that energy and that connectivity. But it, you do, at the same time, kind of get to feel a little bit of connectivity because you're like, oh, okay, great, people are listening. And you're, so you're like, when you're, like, talking, you're kind of talking to somebody. It feels like you're talking to somebody with the hopes that they're listening. Uh, but then when you have a guest on, it's great because... I'm always like, I go in with a couple of questions, but often the conversation just spirals into like whatever we want to talk about. So in that sense, it does feel therapeutic because I'm getting to talk to somebody while also being kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> All right. We're going to spin this conversation a, a good 180 now as uh, Tampex, the tampon company, Tampex has hired Amy Schumer, Yes, comedian Amy Schumer to be their spokeswoman uh, in regards to hygiene and, you know, showing young girls how to use tampons. This has made the, the news front for uh, multiple reasons. One, it's, you know, it's bringing light in a comedic way to a, a normal issue. But in a second sort of topic that we're going to put a pin in, there is actually a YouTube video of Amy demonstrating how to use tampons with a jelly donut. <laughs> now, we all know the topic of, you know, the blue uh, liquid that they pour on in the commercials to make, you know, we all know what they're trying to do. But now with Amy using a jelly donut, it's on YouTube, you can Google it, to relay this new sort of uh, hygiene formality for young women um, it, it, it kind of triggers some people. So we're going to get into that a little bit more. We get back right here on the Comedy Roundup on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name is Amish Patel, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes. It's our comedy roundtable from L.A. to Toronto to Montreal. We have a vast array of comedians on. When we last left the show, Amy Schumer, the new spokeswoman for Tampax, as she uh, inserts a tampon inside a jelly donut for a demonstration on young girls and uh, their hygiene. Trish, I want you to start off with this topic. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I mean... Are you coming to me because I'm a woman? Uh, <laughs> I'm just calling you just randomly. The first person that came to mind. Uh, I think it's great. I don't know. I think it's like a different way to kind of. Sh it's kind of taking the topic of you know how how do you how to use a tampon a tampon or whatever for you know young women in a different way than just showing those like I remember when I grew up it was just those stupid commercials like that didn't actually really teach you anything you know. Yeah, it had the blue liquid like, and you poured on and everybody knew it. And you're like, yeah, cool, blue liquid. That's what it is for sure. <laughs> like, but now, I don't know. I think it's, like, kind of fun. They're coming up with a new way to do it. And Amy Schumer is such a, like, open and honest comic and an open and honest, like, person in her in her life in general. And she's she was so 
uh, wonderful speaking about well, her pregnancy and all of that. So I, I don't know. I think it's kind of, I think it's great. I think it's like a really funny uh, kind of taking away the stigmatism of, of periods and, and tampons and giving it this like more fun feel, you know? <laughs> Well, that's kind of what I want to focus on, because Amy Schumer is known for sort of that crass comedy. Mm-hmm. So was the selection of a comedian like Amy Schumer more publicity stunt because they knew it was going to go that way? Or, I mean, did they put some thought behind this? Mark, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think if people are getting, like, up in arms over that, they got bigger issues to deal with, you know? <laughs> I think, to be honest, the, the bigger problem is... How many kids are affected by jelly donuts? I think that's more of a, an issue. You know, I think, like, if, if you don't know that women have periods by this point, I don't know what, what is going on in your head. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't, like, I'm not going to tell you that I'm an expert in it, but I'm not going to, like, watch it and get offended. You know, I think it is definitely a way to spin something and get, like, make it a new a new uh, spotlight, you know, having a, a comedian like as strong as Amy Schumer in the in that community and making it a you know fun, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't think it's a problem. Johnny in Montreal, Cole Montreal. What's your take on all of this? I feel like I'm. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, why is his name not uh, bringing a buzz? The guy with the suspenders. Uh, talk show. Um, Larry King. Larry King. Thank you, Montreal. You're on the call. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with uh, Trish and, and Mark. I mean, there's nothing to be offended about. I think they chose the right, you know, person. Uh, as You know, Amy is very open, has always been very open. So, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, there's other stuff to worry about besides inserting a tampon into a jelly donut. And, um, <laughs> Listen, there's you know, a lot of outspoken people in this world. But from a comedic yeah. standpoint, I think they knew exactly what they were doing because yeah. they knew it was going to get some press out of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. For oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least the panel agrees on one thing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go around the table right now, and we're going to have everybody kind of uh, tell us what's going on is because, you know, we're all trying to keep busy. So with Second City kind of being shut down, Trish, what's coming up with you? Uh, yeah, I have a new, I'm actually, I got a grant with the Canadian Arts Council Digital Originals to do an online okay. show. So I'm doing a, an online late night talk show that starts this Sunday, nine o'clock. It'll be streaming on YouTube. Uh, it's, uh, it's called A Night with Trisha Black. Uh, there's some amazing guests that are coming up on the first show. You know, we've got Gavin Crawford, uh, Ann Pornell and Alan Shane Lewis. Uh, a musical guest mayor. Yeah, it's it's going to be really, really fun. And it's running until every Sunday until December 20th. Uh, so what? there's some amazing guests that are coming out. Yeah. And they can find all of that on your social media? Yeah, you can find that all on, uh, on social media. You can check it out on uh, our website at nightwithtrishablack.com. Perfect. Johnny, what's going oh. on with you and Snob Media? What's going on? Uh, Snob Media, uh, every day we're posting out uh, film reviews and good things and fun polls. Now I'm really into posting polls because I really like pissing people off, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which is becoming a problem, I think. Um, but, uh, but every week uh, we release Snobcast, uh, which is our podcast, so every Tuesday morning. And uh, we got great guests uh, touching on everything. It could be film, music, uh, comedy just everyday life uh, kind of, you know, getting together with your friends and just uh, talking about whatever's on your mind or whatever's going on. And that's uh, every Tuesday. 
And Snob Media is on Facebook and Instagram. You can find all that good stuff and, uh, you know, add us. All right. And Mr. Mark DeBonis out in sunny California. Is it still sunny there amidst the whole craziness that is? I mean, are you still finding yeah. the joy that the sun so, comes up every morning? Yeah, the sun comes through the smog. The smog is back, if anyone was curious to know. Um, no, I got, uh, yeah, really, uh, I got my, I had just a new album come out uh, on November 20th. It's called Minutia. It's like kind of like a concept album of stand-up with sketch uh, intertwined. And the sketches are kind of loosely based off the stand-up. So if you listen to the whole thing back-to-back, it all kind of tells a story of some sort. And um, so that was kind of that. And, you know, if I ever get around to it, I'll uh, possibly start a podcast about chairs. And uh, <laughs> you can get into my, uh, uh, you know, my, my social media, just at Mark the Bonus on Instagram and, uh, yeah, the Mark the Bonus on Twitter. Awesome. And this is brought to us, uh, your album's brought to us by our good friends over our Comedy Records, right? Yes, Comedy Records. Give them doing a shout-out. The killing it. Yeah, they're uh, they're doing awesome. Comedy Records is doing like basketball tournament, entire- everything, yeah. Yeah, throughout this entire kind of pandemic, uh, one week or another, I mean, Comedy Records just keeps on hitting home runs with great talent. Uh, uh, none shy here of Mr. Mark DeBonis. But I want to thank all of you tonight for joining the panel. Um, check everybody out on their social media and uh, new projects they have coming up, whether new album, new shows on YouTube, new podcasts to kind of listen to. But I want to thank you for listening tonight on Inside Jokes. Once again, I am your host, Vince Tedesco. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Dean and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. See, look, I even mentioned COVID once. God damn it, I did it there. Okay, anyways, see you next week, Cruiser. I love you. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Mark DeBonis. And I get it, people love bowling. Okay, it just blows my mind that people still bowl in this day and age. Because everyone's like, oh man, I need hand sanitizer. And like hand sanitizer for my hand sanitizer bottle. And automatic doors and faucets. What do you want to do tonight? Let's go bowling. The most disgusting thing in the world, okay? Forget about the shoes. (laughs) We as a people, have accepted public bowling shoes, okay? Because we all know that they have that magic spray. When they spray it in the shoe, it burns the whole inner sole and rebuilds a new one, okay? Like, we're not idiots. But do you think for a second somebody's walking down the aisle with Lysol and a beaker cleaner? Cleaning the bowling ball finger holes? No. Nobody is cleaning the bowling ball finger holes. I feel like I can hear all of your minds blowing right now, okay? Because bowling is 100% finger foods. You can't not not eat finger foods in a bowling alley. You're like, oh, let me eat these nachos. Chicken wings. Let me lick my fingers and put my hand in his ball. It's disgusting, okay? When I was a kid, I went bowling, pulled my hand out, and a band-aid was on.